I knew there was always a huge hole in my heart, but it was impossible, I thought, in Sydney to ride. 23 years later, when my life was not so good and I was in the middle of a marriage that was failing, I prayed that something joyful would come into my life. And I walked out my gate and there came two horses riding past, literally two <laughs> from me. And I just went, okay. From performanceriders.com, this is The Collectives, where we ever so gently put aside the training and the experts just for a little while and focus on some real talk with riders from the equestrian community. Have you ever had a long break from riding, uh, years or even decades? What were the challenges when you returned and what have you learned along the way? That's exactly what we're talking about today with our riders, Sharon, Gabrielle, and Ray, good to see you, riders. Hi, hi. Let's do a quick intro so we all know who you are. Uh, Ray, let's start with you. Okay, uh, my name is Ria. I am a mother of four and a grandmother of two. I had a break from horse riding for twenty-three years, and I joined the program here a year ago. But I've been back in the saddle for about twelve years. Great in Sydney. <laughs> Gabrielle. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Gabrielle. I live half time between Bondi and I keep my horse at Centennial Park Stables. Uh, and I also live half the time in Annangrove, which is near Dural in New South Wales. And I also keep my horse here. Uh, I rode as a teenager and then I rode for a couple of years in my 20s. And I've only now just got back into it about a year ago. Fantastic. Sharon. Hi, I'm Sharon. I'm from Southeast Brisbane. Um, I am a mother of three and a grandmother of five. Um, I rode as a as a child, like a teenager, just bush ponies. If you hire a horse, go down the back, hope the hell you you live, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and then I had a break due to marriages and children, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, for twenty three years. And I've been riding again now. I'm 64 and I've been riding since, took up riding when I was 40. Fantastic. So what's our record? Did we, Ria and Sharon, was that both 23 years out? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was Both 23. How funny is that? I think. I don't know. I don't do maths. No. (laughs) Well, um, I'm 56 now and I think I last rode properly maybe when I was 25, 26, so whatever that is. Yeah, well, somebody do the maths quick. Uh, that's, that's 30 years. 30 I was years. 17 to 40, so whatever that was. 20 yeah. <laughs> we'll outsource the maths later. <laughs> I love it. Oh, fantastic. Okay, Ria, let's loop back and start with your story. So what, what was the sort of first chunk of riding for you and I, then what, what happened with the break and, and then when did you come back into it? Well, I always loved horses and I came from a family where financially it wasn't that easy to do, but every holiday it was birthday riding, holiday riding, that sort of stuff, and I loved horses. Then at 19 I bought my first on horse and I had six years um, of, well, I just dive right into it, both jumping and dressage, loved it. My, I had the first horse for four years and I had to put it down and that was my heart horse. So I knew I wanted to stay in riding and I bought another, a warm blood. I didn't ever really connect. I trained her up. But then I sold her to go. I met my husband, my later husband, uh, who was an Australian. 
and I decided to come and work in Australia and be with with uh, my partner. So I sold my horse then and I came out. Um, we then got married. Uh, then we had four children and it was busy suburbia life. I knew there was always a huge hole in my heart, but it was impossible, I thought, in Sydney to ride. Um, and then 23 years later when my life was not so good and I was in the middle of a marriage that was failing and I literally I played, prayed that something joyful would come into my life and I walked out my gate from my house into the park and there came two horses riding past, literally two <laughs> from me. And I just went, okay. So I stopped them, wait, stop. Um, who are you? How do you ride in suburbia? And long story short, she said, look, I have a half lease on this one, if you can ride him. And I had my running shoes on and a pair of jeans. And I said, I certainly will. So I hopped on him and I took a ride around the park and I came back and she said, yeah, you can have him as a half lease. So I dived right in there, came back to my family and said, I've just half leased a horse. <laughs> you were away for 10 minutes. How yeah. did you do that? Anyway, I rode this horse and we were. I was talking to this lady and she kept talking about this heart horse of hers that was a Welsh cob that nobody could tame. He hated human beings. And, and because I worked with animals, I said, I will give it a go. He, she'd had three professionals try to get to him and he'd been into Asa Arena as the horse who hated human beings. Oh, my God. I just said to them, look, I want to analyse him. I want to feel him. I don't want to force him. So I don't want anyone near him. No medication, no ropes, no one. And she said, yep, that's fine. So um, she brought the horse into suburbia, into a big back garden. And that was my story, beginning of Ethan. And I just loved it. I sat and waited and it took me four hours the first day until he got curious about me. And I started doing clicker training. And I, it was never a journey where I'm going, I'm diving in, I'm now riding dressage. It was always the next goal. Okay. Okay. First goal was getting him to trust me. Then it was going to get a saddle on him. Then it was to float him and ride him and it was always these goalposts and I remember distinctly thinking if I can teach this horse to go on the bid because he was a little feisty thing with a head up I thought yeah. that would be that would be my end goal and it kept moving and then it became if I can compete him one go that would be fantastic and then suddenly oh I can compete him we can do quite well and so we did jumping and show, shows and we did and I love the dressage so I love the training side and that just became he became my love horse. He's an amazing horse that just kept moving the journey and the goalpost. Yeah. And then, you know, so after 23 years, I dive right into it. I bred my own horse that I've got now. Um, little Ethan, I took to medium, and the horse I'm riding currently is riding medium. Um, and, yeah, it's been a fantastic joy. And he is now teaching as, an, as beginners. And also as a, a horse that helps people with uh, deep depression and things. He's an amazing little horse. So, okay. Rhea, all those years that you were not riding, was it something that kept bubbling up for you that you wanted to I get back into it? Or? Yeah, I was missing it. I was missing that heart connection. Um, and, but it was hard to know exactly because I was also homesick and homesick was horses. So it was, a, but it was just a, a hole. And I knew the minute he came into my life, it was like he saved my heart. He really did. And I think I saved his. So it was a really good, it was never set I want to do dressers. It was just a beautiful journey where I felt complete when I had them back in my life. Yeah. So it was more about that connection it was the horse, like, rather than the riding. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely a connection. And it probably still is. It's about the connection first. 
So when my mayor is saying, I don't want to do it today, I'll go, fair enough, that's okay. So I'm a slightly yeah. different in that regard. But yeah. I, um, it's the journey that I love. It's coming down, it's sitting and listening to them chewing grass. It's But the training I find really stimulating. Mm. And there's nothing better than, you know, I, I joined the program a year ago and for me it's been a huge learning curve because it's suddenly, instead of making up things that I thought I could sort of figure out, I've had much more structure and it's been yeah. really exciting for my learnings. It's Brett Parbury here and I just wanted to pop in and say that if you're enjoying this conversation, you might like to head over to performancewriters.com slash podcast where we list free training resources just for our podcast audiences. Find out what's available now at performancewriters.com slash podcast and now back to the episode. So Gabrielle, what was your story about your incredible 30-something years out of the saddle? Yeah, I'm amazed that it took me that long to to get back to it. I um, I competed as a teenager. I did, uh, it was called hacking back then, which I think is hunter now. I'm not quite right. sure. Show, yeah, maybe showing. Uh, and then I did dressage and all the rider classes um, in Perth. So we did really well, me and my lovely mayor. And it was made me so happy. You know, all the, the kids from school would go out on a Saturday night, but I had to go to bed at you know, eight because I was up at four and I didn't seem, you know, I didn't mind at all. Yeah. So that was a really lovely period. And my, I'm not from a horsey background, so my parents had no idea, <laughs> you know, towing a horse, putting a horse on. So I was really wow. lucky they they actually allowed me to, to follow my passion. And then um, I stopped when I was 16 um, and I wish I'd never done that in retrospect. You know, I wish I'd said, hey, I want to go to Europe and work for somebody and keep learning but I stopped and then um in my 20s I started show jumping and I'm not even sure how I got into show jumping I think I just thought it looked fun um which it was fun yeah um and then I stopped again and again I can't really remember why I think life changing moving um and then I had kids and literally a year ago I woke up and just went, I have to ride again. <laughs> like it just came. My husband kept saying to me, you need to have horses. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I don't need horses. And then one morning I woke up and I'm like, right, I really have to ride. Uh, so I put uh, an ad on the local Facebook page where I was living at the time and asked if anyone needed a horse ridden. Oh. Lady got back to me and I started riding her horses, all different shapes and sizes, which was really fun. Couldn't walk, obviously. Well, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> was so sore. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, I, I want to do dressage. And I knew nobody. Like it's like going to a different country and you know yeah. not a soul. So I didn't even have friends that wrote. So I don't even know how I found Brett. I mean, I might have even Googled, you know, top yeah. dressage writers <laughs> in Australia. Um, and I did a lot of stalking, a lot of online looking uh, so then I found the program yeah. um, and I joined and I didn't have a horse. So I think I was the only one in the program that didn't have a horse. So I I kind of had to make it up as I went along yeah. and I sit on my seat and try and imagine that I was on a horse. And when Brett would say bend to the inside, I'd have to bend. <laughs> so actually I think I learned to ride dressage from my imagination and yeah. from my chair. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that is so cool. Funny. And then 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I would apply to to buy horses that were for sale, but when people would check me out on Facebook, I had no horsey friends and they didn't know me. Yeah, okay. So I would miss out, and I remember once I missed out on a really lovely mare, and I even, I was so annoying. I I annoyed myself. I even rang the lady and were like, "What about me? I've applied really yeah. early." And they're like, no, I'm sorry. I think there's a better home. And I know it's because I wasn't yeah. in the scene and they didn't know me. So, yeah. so I started to befriend everybody who was Brett's friends and then I befriended their friends. <laughs> and I started to gather together a, a group of, you know, dressage people. Brett actually found me a horse, but the horse turned up at Brett's and I didn't own a saddle or a bridle. Yeah. I didn't know how to put the boots on and he's, he's this yeah. fancy horse. And Brett's got cross ties, and I'm like, how do I even undo what do I do with this? Yeah. <laughs> so I really have have come into a whole new world. Um, oh, amazing! And yeah. so, where are you at now? Like, what does riding look for you at the moment? Riding for me now is a total obsession. Yeah. I wake up in the morning and think about it, and I go to bed at night and think about it, and I read everything and I Google everything, and I like I'm literally obsessed. Um, mm. Yeah, my husband's got me on a a time frame of when I'm allowed to talk about horses. It's only every 45 minutes. <laughs> and oh then he puts me on the clock. So I, I'm a little overboard, but that's my personality. So I've got a really lovely um, small to a 15-year-old horse. Nice. I adore. Um, and I've done a lot of natural horsemanship as well, which I'm really interested in with him mm. to keep him light and responsive energetically to me, which mm. I find really beautiful. Uh, and then I've got uh, the young horse that Brett found me who's, gone back to preschool training sort of uh, iron out some issues yeah and have you bought the property you mentioned that you live part-time have you bought the property to support the the, the newly found horse I did so I've literally gone crazy where we sold the house we've now bought a property I'm building an arena like it's become a real thing yeah yeah Wow. Okay. I'll loop back to you soon. Sharon, let's, let's hear your story. Another 23 years out of the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a, I, I bought a horse after my trail riding, trying up to die days. Yeah. And I bought a horse, but I was leaving for work when I, when I left school and um, got a job and I was leaving for work at six in the morning and not getting home until six at night. And yeah. it just, you know, after about six or eight months, it just didn't work. Because um, I could only ride every weekend, and then you couldn't walk for three days because you'd spent ten yeah. hours on a horse two days, and then right. nothing for five. And he was just though in those days they were tethered, or you know, and and it was a struggle to find a paddock. And yeah. so then I got married, had children, um, then divorced, and then got married and had children. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my had my husband, my present husband, who's um, we've been together since 1986 but he traveled he was away for 30 odd years he was away six to nine months of the year and we based me back in Brisbane so the kids could go to school and I said look you know I don't like suburbia I don't feel like it's safe for the kids I can't wander they can't have friends blah 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 let's buy acreage so we did because I have the world's best husband (laughs) and we bought um we bought acreage and he and his father were fencing and he said, promise me you're not going to buy a horse until we at least fence. And I said, no, 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 I wouldn't dream of it. Came home one day and he said, um, you had a big grin. What have you been doing? He said, oh, I said, oh, I bought something. He said, you bought a horse. I said, no, I didn't. He said, yeah, you bought a horse. I said, no, 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 I didn't. 
I promised I didn't. He said, I'll bet you bought a horse. I said, I'll bet you a thousand bucks I didn't. He said, all right, what'd you buy? I said, I bought two. (laughs) So it started from there. I got into, I had no idea what I was doing. I got into Arabians and then I got into showing. And then I was learning to ride properly. So I didn't look like a complete fool in an Arab show ring. Um, and I was getting tired of it because putting black makeup on on grey horses and staying clean really wasn't and the bitchiness of the, the showing right. And I went to have lessons with somebody who was very, very, did very, very well in the show ring and gave lessons and she was virtually giving dressage lessons and okay. I just fell in love with it. Oh, wow. So, and I've probably, I'd ha- I've had upwards of 30 horses in that since I was 40. I brewed mares, I bred foals, I had kids' ponies. I've oh gosh, had yeah. so many horses. Wow. Um, and then I, I really got seriously bitten by the dressage bug. Yeah. Rhea, let's let's um let's talk about challenges. What were the big challenges you remember remember when you were getting back into the saddle? Um well getting on the horse that was pretty terrifying. <laughs> yeah, just physically getting on. <laughs> I think I was really naive because I have always been quite brave. So I went, oh, I'm just going to do it. Uh-huh. And I just took my time and I felt him. And actually it was just sort of, yeah, I remember even getting to his hind legs. He had rope marks everywhere. He had been ear pinched. He was he hated human beings. So getting him to trust me was probably the biggest thing. Mm. Um, I always was quite amazed that we sort of just kept building on, building on, building on. And I remember the first time we went out, to a competition I wasn't competing I just tied him up to a float well oh my god he was going ballistic almost pulling the float over and I remember there was a judge coming up to me and saying why on earth did you buy this horse I said I saw potential and she went oh my god and um just slowly enjoying it and seeing the transformation and I I, like I love the training side I love it when the horse goes yes I get it yeah. And get him on my side was really challenging but really rewarding. I certainly wasn't as agile, but I was surprised that I could remember. It just sort of okay. came to me. I was part mm. of riding a bike. It literally, literally is. It's mm. more about your headspace. That was a bit, you know. Um, Had you stayed fit with other things over the years? I was fit. I was right. teaching fitness, so I was really fit. So that was, that was quite easy. Mm. Uh, but. Yeah, so that that wasn't hard, but it was taking it from a little horse that was unrideable in a suburban house in a back garden. And I remember my then husband had a friend who was a high dressage rider and she said, oh, take Rhea out and have a look at when she was training. And I went out there and I just went, yes, this is it. This is what I want to do. And she looked at me and then she looked at Bill and she said, you're in trouble, Bill. You will start with this little horse, <laughs> then it'll be the float. Yeah. Then it'll be the warm blood and then it'll be the property. Well, he, she was right about everything except the property. I'm still adjusting. But yeah. it was just this deep desire. And when I was riding this gorgeous little Will's cob, I couldn't help myself thinking, imagine having a beautiful warm blood. Right. So I organised it. I sort of, my friend had a lovely warm blood that she wasn't riding and I went, why aren't you putting that into a good stallion and I will buy the foal? And she said, oh, it's too complicated. I said, what about a lease for her? And I find a stallion. And she said, yeah, that's fine. And I took her to my coach and said, what do you think? And he said, actually, she's a really lovely mare. And so it was just sort of always 
a couple of steps ahead. Little step at a time. Yeah. And I never thought, how will I ride two horses or how will I manage to okay. have a foal? It was always this dream that I allow myself to have. And mm. it kept snowballing. And then I had this gorgeous foal and it was fantastic. And I did lots of play with her and clicker training. And, and it was just a love bond. And, mm. uh, yeah, and it still is. You know, there's been lots of bumps in the road where – I came back from a big injury mm. from the horse, um, but I had lots of fun and I loved the whole journey. It's mm. been much harder now where I am riding a decently hot horse and I'm, I have got a lot of back pain from a broken back. And so there's fear riding with it now, but I didn't have that when I came back initially. But I Yeah, okay. yeah, And that's probably my biggest challenge is riding mm. with fear. Mm. It's and did you challenge. end up staying with that husband? When you had, no, we've no. been divorced for twelve years. We would. So like, you ditched him and you got the horses in. Actually, out no, horses I came in. to him and said, "I would really like to buy this horse. He's either going to kill me, or he's going to be fantastic." Yeah. And he said, "I think it's a good idea." So he actually approved of that. But we probably separated six months after that. Right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so it was just always trying to fit the horses in with my life, and mm. I have four kids that always look a bit weird at me when I'm um, having so such a big passion, but they all accept it. But I, I, I was like, you, Gabriella, it was really like a new beginner coming into it. I had no friends, no nothing. I went out to my first competition without having had lessons um, wow. and just learning little bits and finding a person you like. And, yeah. uh, that, that, and I think for me, I always have quite a strong sense of listening to the animal because I've trained dogs. So I listened to the horses. And for me, it was finding the coach that could give me space but more wisdom. And I think yeah. this program, I felt that's been really awesome too because there is that room that you get more information and you can fit in, but there's still the twist of you that can make stay. Make it your own. Make mm. it my own, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. But it has been a wonderful journey. And, and it, honestly, it's like finding myself again. Oh, it's one thing yeah. I have done to nurture the child and the little girl in me. Wow. Because when I was three years old, I was walking in a deer park with horses and I remember vividly thinking to all the riders, please come up so I can pet your horse. Please can mm. I come? I was just so desperately in love with horses. Mm. Yeah. Did you have other um, hobbies and things over the years that you weren't riding? Did you yeah. just have other I, things? Yeah, absolutely. Fitness was a big one. I was playing competitive tennis. Right. Uh, and, you know, you do all the socialising and dinner parties and kits at schools and all that sort of stuff. So, and gardening and I built a house. So I did a lot of things. Mm. Um, but the riding has just been, yeah. Mm, stayed with you. Sometimes the hard thing to, to for me today is the daily fear of riding and then yeah. that it is insanely expensive, particularly in Sydney, um, and justifying that. Yeah. But I just can't. Sometimes I tell my daughter, oh, I'm going to sell Lisha, and she looks mm. at me, Mom, don't say it again, you will never sell her. Mm. Just don't say it again. <laughs> you can't. It's just when it's hard, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think my life with horses are much, much happier me mm. than, than without horses. Mm. Yeah. And actually, yeah, all, yeah. one of the first shows I went out to address us and I watched it and I sat there all alone and I looked at Brett riding I looked at a lot of riders and I thought, I really like how he's riding. Mm. So my dream was to have a lesson with Brett one day. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. You'll love that. 
Gabrielle, what about you? What were the challenges? I mean, it's interesting with you, Gabrielle, because you're kind of really still in the thick of it because you're so new back to writing. Um, what have the challenges been for you? You mentioned um, not being in that scene and not being known in the community as being one of those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, the first challenge was finding a horse. Mm. And as I was saying before, I'd ring and apply and no one knew me and no one had seen me ride. And, you know, I was yeah. wanting a good horse because I'm, I'm a very ambitious person and I want to see how well I can do. You know, I want to yeah. squeeze out as much as I can from this body to see what I'm capable of and yeah. I want a good horse to do that with. So that was really challenging. Yeah. You know, I had to be... Uh, you know, I don't want to say strategic, but I had to plan how I was going to do that. So when I heard about Brett and I joined the program, obviously, in the, well, not obviously, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe he can help me find a horse. Yeah. So I made sure to ask lots of questions every time we were on Zoom so that he might maybe remember my name. And then I don't know how, but I got his number and I'd send him messages and, hey, I'm in your program. And it was really hard because I almost was on the verge of, I felt I was being a bit annoying to people because they didn't know me and they're busy. Right. But I didn't know what else to do because yeah. I, I yeah. had nobody. So I struggled a lot with can I text again? Can I send Brett another ad for a horse? Hey, Brett, what do you think? You know. Yeah, and trying to figure out what's appropriate, what's expected. Yeah, yeah that's not yeah. easy. So that was, that's been tricky for me, mm. not wanting to overstep the mark with people and annoy them too much yeah um so I had to kind of get over that because my desire to find a good horse was more than my desire to not be pushy yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so that was difficult uh and then just things like what's a bridal number yeah how do I apply for I need a number like what's nominate what do I do how 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 do I fill out this so I spoke to the lady at uh, just out New South Wales so often can you help me what do I do I'm you I'm <laughs> can you talk me through so that's been a huge learning curve yeah um and then and what, what about the writing side did you find that that was a smooth transition to actually like physically get back writing? yeah look it was I wrote so much as a teenager and I I think I've got because I do a lot of skiing okay but I've got I think a natural balance and yeah. I used to teach yoga and I'm very conscious of my body because I was a yoga teacher. So I'm yeah. very luckily able to kind of go on my right shoulders forward, pull my right shoulder back, yeah. hang on, my foot doesn't feel right. You know, so I'm quite body aware. So actually getting back into it was really easy and it suits my personality to be quite pedantic and yeah. precise yeah. with your body and your horse. So all of that's been actually fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that's really interesting. And it's those little things that writers just sort of take for granted that everybody knows that that's the that can be a real sort of point of friction, can't it? Yeah. Well, people say, just get on nominate. And I'm like, okay, I will. <laughs> You're like, like, yeah, well, sure. what's nominate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Amazing. Oh, uh, so I've learned a lot. And then yeah. what I've really been happy with over the last year is that I've been able to grow my my eye and my own knowledge of horses now. So now I don't have to reach out to people and say, hey, what do you think? And rely on their opinion. 
I feel confident enough now that I have a feel and I have an eye and that I mm. can go, oh, yes, no, that horse is this or that horse is that. So that's been a, a really wonderful to be a little more independent now of, of mm. people and mm. be my own um, guide, my own master a little bit. Oh, isn't that lovely? And over the years that you weren't riding, all those years, 30-plus years we figured out, what we you were you're obviously an active person anyway you mentioned the yoga and skiing so you you were keeping in good shape anyway yeah. and did you did you have a full life of different hobbies and things and and then riding is sort of added on to that um yeah look we we lived in the country for a bit and I did have a stock horse that I never rode but I did a lot of groundwork and got into Pirelli so I did have that interaction on mm. the ground I may have jumped on him bareback a few times, but it, he was basically in the paddock and I did some things. So I've had horses around on, on that level. Um, but I've always been active, Pilates. I do a thing called gyrotonics. Um, I talk yoga, go to the gym, you know, skiing. I'm mad. So I've my passion for skiing has now been replaced by... Uh, it's the same thing. You've got to be really aware. It's very technical. Yeah, um, equally as expensive. And equally as expensive. <laughs> Okay, I just want to pop in for a moment to let you know that just like the writers today on the podcast, you can be a part of our community as well by enrolling in Brett Parbury's Dressage Breakthrough Program. Enrollments are open now and we'd love to welcome you no matter what level of dressage you're currently at. If you have a goal to improve, then this program's for you. Find out more and get in touch with us at performanceriders.com. Now back to the conversation. Sharon, what about you? You mentioned that finding the right coach for you was your big challenge. Are there any other challenges? And also, can I put to you, were there any, oh, maybe there aren't, I don't know, but are there any benefits to having that time out of the saddle and coming back for the sport? Okay, well, firstly, challenges, yeah. One major challenge apart from the coach is was not having any muscle memory, uh-huh. not having any knowledge. And I, I always had, even when I was younger, a fairly decent seat on a horse. And um, I've got really quick reflexes. I wouldn't say I'm super fit, but really quick reflexes and fairly good balance. So with all the horses I've owned in the last 24 years or whatever it is, um, I've come off four times in my life. Okay. Um, bad. So, you know, I don't, I consider shy and that sort of thing. I'm not a fabulous rider, but... Because of that, I found that coaches <clears throat> kind of presumed that I had more knowledge than I did. Ah, uh, So when I'd go for a lesson or a clinic, they'd say, do this, do that, do that. And I needed, I needed it so broken down yeah. for me because I didn't know that, you know, the, the one of the 23 muscles in my butt cheek is going to do something because sure. I did not have that knowledge from before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for proper riding. I mean, sitting on a horse. And, and when I was a child, it was when I was, you know, <clears throat> um, into horses earlier, it was kick them to go and pull them to stop. Yes. And in my case, I rode a lot of um, friends' horses that were mustering horses. So it was kick them to go. And if they were after a cow, you threw your leg off to stop them. And yeah. the horse kept going and you didn't yeah. because that was the way they were trained. Um, so that was my biggest challenge. Um, and nerves, finding, particularly with finding a coach, finding a, a coach that understood the nerves because I suffer, often suffer from nerves. I did Brett's clinic a couple of months ago and unbeknownst to him, I had 
a triple brandy before I rode both days because I would not have got on if I hadn't. Amazing. I, I mean, to the to the point where sometimes I'd put my foot in the stirrup and I'd be dry reaching because I was so nervous. Oh, wow. Um, oh, amazing, so, yeah, Karen. Yeah, um, and I have, and finding a coach that was sympathetic to that because yeah. a lot of coaches, particular, particularly um, the high-level coaches, have always ridden. Yes. And they don't have that yes. adult yeah. Um, you know, a lot of adults lose their nerve, even yes. if they have ridden all the time. And a lot of them just don't have the empathy for that, I found. Yeah. Um, they they think they do, but it's a real thing when you're that nervous. Yeah, so that no, was a yeah, challenge too. That. As and an adult rider, finding someone that mm. didn't discount it enough. And it's that, a double whammy, um, I think, isn't it? Because probably you know, they turn up um, to a lesson, you know, and they probably think, oh, you've been writing your whole life and there's all this assumed knowledge and they wouldn't even think that you're having any nerves or anything. So there's kind of like a few things happening there at the same time that could really sabotage that yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. so that, that was another big challenge or, or two um, more big challenges. Um, one of the advantages of coming back to writing um, and then getting into all this show horses and dressage and all the rest of the thing is that I didn't have any prior knowledge of any of those worlds. So there was nothing to be embarrassed about because I was totally clueless about how lousy I looked at times. And that was, I think, a really good thing because yeah. I didn't go out thinking, oh, my God, what's everybody going to think? Because yes. what the heck were they going to think? I didn't know any better. So in, in some ways that was good coming when I first came back into it. That's great. Um, yeah. Gabrielle and Rhea, what about you? Any advantages of taking that much time out? I'm a more um I'm a more patient and aware per adult person than I was before. Yeah. Um I've had children, so I think my uh I I'm a lot kinder maybe or uh, more loving somehow. So certainly I look at how I am now with my horse. And it's I try to be very sort of simpatico, very together in relationship with him. And I look back when I jumped for a couple of years, uh, I don't think I looked after my horses very well at all. Um, so I'm quite embarrassed about my lack of knowledge back then and um, I'm a lot more aware now. Mm, yeah, that's a great one. Ria, what about you? Any advantages? I wish I hadn't taken that big a gap because I think I mm. would have been a lot better if I'd stayed. If I'd only had a gap of 10 years, it would have been much easier. I feel yeah. like really, and today I went, gosh, imagine if I'd started 10 years earlier, I would have been much better, you know. But <laughs> so I'm definitely struggling with a body that's not quite doing what I want in my head. Yeah. Um, and I can really um, understand what sharing is doing about not knowing a lot because I didn't know a lot. And I remember I had, I thought I need to learn. So I'm going to, so I went and had a lesson with a high elite dressage rider as well. And it was only professionals in that group with beautiful warm bloods, mm -hmm. little Wells Cobb. And I looked at that, I'm going, oh my God, I'm brave. And anyway, I started riding and he was saying, okay, do a half pass. I said, what's a half pass? And he went, yeah. well, you rode one. I said, I didn't know it was called a half pass. <laughs> oh, so amazing. It was really difficult. And I yeah. said, 
several times I have to say, stop, you need to explain it to me because I can't teach it or write it if I don't understand it. What are you trying to do? So I could feel the shapes, but I just didn't know what they were called. So that was quite funny. Yeah. And the same thing with the nerves that you were talking about. I, when I came down and had my first uh, clinic with Brett, I was terrified because my, 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 my mare was reactive and spooky and I could feel it and I was scared and I walked in. And I walked around the arena for 20 minutes and he came back from lunch and he said, so how are you feeling? And I went, I'm really nervous. And she's so spooky the other end where the doves yeah. are around, or pigeons. And he said, okay, just start trotting. Now go down the other end on the second round. And I went, what? And I'm just trusting that and just riding. And of course that worked fine. And it was really good. And I find right. when I somebody who pushed me, I can yeah. do better on the riding itself. Mm. And I'm learning, I'm walking away with that. Yes, I've got that. Mm. But it is hard to overcome that nerve. And mm. I haven't had it until my big accident. I was never scared of riding where I am now scared of falling off. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. I just need to be better riding and not falling off. <laughs> um, I'd like to put two last questions to all of you, please. The first one is, what have you learned about yourself in this process of coming back to riding? What have you learned about yourself? Who wants to... Who's got an answer for that one? Oh, well, I guess I've, le- I've learned that um, I don't like to settle for second best. <gasps> if nice. I can't do it perfectly, I don't want to do it at all. I'm quite driven. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't particularly care um, how well I do as long as I do it as well as I possibly can. And I've, I've never, I've, I've competed in all different things all my through my life and I've never cared whether I won or lose it's not about that it was always about the training yeah so yeah that's Um, a great insight to have about yourself it hasn't changed Gabrielle I've I've learned just how much I love horses yeah like I adore every single horse I just think they're the most beautiful beings so I've learned that or remembered that yeah um I've realized how obsessive I am uh, which is probably a good thing for this sport. Right. Uh, and that I'm really dedicated and, uh, uh, you know, I go to the gym and I think about what muscles I need to grow and, you know, it's just my whole everything. Now that my kids are leaving and going to uni, I have, I need yeah. to put my energy somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And very resourceful. And, and yeah, uh, driven. resourceful, sure, driven, yes, mm. and annoying to some people probably. I apologise. No, we'll call it strategic. <laughs> strategic, yes. <laughs> Ria, yeah. what about you? What have you learned about yourself? Definitely that horses is so important for me to be whole as a person mm-hmm. uh, and that as much as it doesn't matter when I go out to competitions, which I don't do often, but when I go out, I very rarely think about how other people are riding. Yeah. But I am actually a lot more competitive than I sort of admit to myself. Oh. I, I do care how I'm going and I do think, oh, God, I don't want to have anything less than 60. And so I'm always like, you know, I've got to have one eight. Or they, I've always got little things in my head. Um, but as soon as I've written it, it doesn't matter anymore. It's okay. more the training and doing the best I can. And then it doesn't matter. Sometimes I've left the competition and not even looked at what my score was because I wasn't happy with it or so it's it's an interesting one it's more about for me um participating in the journey of the training Mm. and the last thing I was really lonely in the riding I was riding in a back garden alone I was out alone and I 
have found with this program has been wonderful because there's a bunch of you guys that are all as crazily mad about our horses and it's exciting and you can share, you know, when you're doing Kazaj, everybody thinks you're just doing a slow trot and in here it's like, oh, wow, yay, well done. Yeah. It's just exciting to be a part. And I really dream of more where we go out together and share stories and being part and actually belong in that group. I think that's the yeah. big I want to belong in a group. Yeah, um, exactly. Horses, yeah. Uh, finally, ladies, what would be your advice for other women, mostly women, uh, who perhaps you know, have been in that break and are wanting to get back into riding. And as you know, it's it's a daunting thing, the, uh, you know, the logistics of it, the finances, the, you know, that it's a, it's a difficult life change. What would your advice be? Um, Gabrielle, let's start with you. Uh, well, just do it, you know, if, if it, that's what's in your heart, then so much happiness awaits on the other side of the the first step forward or the first phone call forward yeah. so uh, don't procrastinate just just jump in because you will remember you know how wonderful it is to be around horses the whole time yeah that's great Sharon what about you what's your advice find a group find a group like this find a support network um because that that is really it's a lonely lonely difficult sport um, there's just so many things can go wrong and it's really, really hard to maintain the enthusiasm and the trust and the confidence without a support group. This support group is fantastic and in all the years I've been back in it, 20-something 20, 20 years, <laughs> I don't do maths, um, this is the first time that I've had a really, really good network, Yeah, support network really. Um, I've got friends, but most of them are more acquaintances than friends. And you often see people that that go around comps and they'll have a really, really good friend that they're Mm. with. Um, But this replaces that if you don't have it and and adds to it if you do. Yeah, exactly. um, This group is so supportive um, and it's not always a supportive sport at all. And this this has been, I possibly would have given up if I hadn't joined the program seriously mm. because I just don't didn't have the confidence, yeah. you know, to, to keep going. Um, yeah, and, and I'm not a confident person. I appear to be and I'm not. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's been key for me, actually, really key yeah. for me. I also need a coach, um, you know. Um, and I've got a super, super strong, co- good coach now um, outside the program and I've got a really good friend but um, as well now, which I haven't had for a long time. Mm. But still to be able to come in here and say, oh, God, you know, like, like on yeah. Saturday, well, not now because it's pouring rain so the comp will be cancelled. So I was going to attempt my first serious elementary test and... Um, you know, I could I could confidently come into the pro the Parbury program and and say I'm going to do it and I'm look I really really want over sixty percent and I'll be happy. Whereas you know, I, just to say that to people within yeah, where else can you say that? Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, they they either poo poo you or they ignore yeah. you or you know you don't get that in this group and that and that is something that I would advise people coming back into it to really look for because it, it's so so important. Mm. 
And that's, you know, a large part of the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was to deepen that level of connection and community amongst writers because we we knew going into it when we put the program together how important the community was going to be, but it's been even bigger than we ever imagined or even more important, that sense of community. And to hear all the stories from the writers is is a wonderful thing. So, mm. yeah. Rhea, what about you? What's your advice? I would say um, get involved, absolutely get involved and get good instructions. Find somebody that are good in their field and then just absorb it in and I would even say probably not buy a horse first because that's such a big monumental step but maybe take a half lease because a riding lesson once a week you're not going to get good that fast so I would say maybe you know take a part lease and have a lesson once a week and then practice it until next week so you've sort of got a a rolling ball going Mm. I decided very early on with my crazy little world cop that was out of control to get um, my instructor and I still have that instructor today um, so he's been part of the whole journey and it's mm. been really good. So I think getting good information straight away is awesome. I love, Gabrielle, that you became a member of this group straight away. You even learned the knowledge before you've got the horse. I think that's mm. fantastic. Yeah. I think the more knowledge you have and and then, again, the support, having a support group would be is a really awesome thing. Mm. Oh, I've learned a lot in this conversation. Thank you so much, writers, for sharing your stories. It was absolutely great to get to know you on a deeper level. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.